0: Our scripture reading is found in the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 11. I'm going to read more of chapter 11 than you see in your bulletin, and I'm not going to read the Exodus passage at all. So I got permission to do that. (laughs) You'll stand now for the reading of the word. There shall come forth... A shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from the root shall bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees, nor decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with the equity for the meek of the earth. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the Lord shall be full of the knowledge, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea the word of the lord you may be seated i just felt i needed to deal with a few things concerning the advent season that might be helpful to us in our overall understanding of how to read our bibles When we say Advent, getting back to about as basic as we can get, it comes from the two Latin words, means to come, and to or toward. The Advent is that time in which our Lord comes to us. In the parlance of the scriptures, The Father sends the Son. The Son is a missionary. He is an emissary. He comes from the Father to do the will of the Father. But from our perspective, we see His work as a coming, an advent. There are several words in the New Testament that are used to describe this. It's sometimes called a coming. Sometimes it's called an appearance a manifestation. Sometimes it is even called in the Old Testament a visitation, a visitation of the Lord. So God visits his people, and the way he visits his people is through the incarnate Son, through Jesus Christ, his Son. He is the primary visitor in the Bible, and he comes to visit his people. And when he comes to visit his people, he brings both judgment and blessing. So when you read your Bible, when you look at the old covenant, the Hebrew scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, there's often speech in there about the Lord coming and the Lord has a visitation day that is an appointed day. He's going to come on an appointed time. He comes in the fullness of time. He comes precisely when God the Father wants him to come. And his coming to earth is seen as a visitation whereby he is accomplishing the things that the Father has called upon him to accomplish. All through the Old Testament, there's an anticipation of that day that appointed day, that visitation day, when the Son will come to earth. And principally, He's going to deal with two classes of people. He's going to deal with the righteous that have been made righteous by His grace, by the way. And He will deal with the wicked who is everybody born in their sin. And He will deal with those the way, in each case, it needs to be dealt with. Over and over, the emphasis is that he will make a judgment. He will make a discernment. And when he makes a discernment, he will judge between the righteous and the wicked. And the righteous will be ushered into his perpetual, eternal blessing. And the wicked will be consigned to his eternal curse. So the coming of the Lord is an important thing. And in the Old Testament, we see the coming of the Lord as a a day out there in the future. It's it's out there. We don't know when it is. We don't know how long it's going to be before he comes. The, The prophets will lament, How long, O Lord? Will you not come and save your people and vindicate them and and justify them and destroy the wicked and get rid of those people that are harassing us throughout the generations? And the Lord waits. And he tells the prophet to wait for the vision. It's going to come. It'll surely come. It's the sure word of prophecy. But you don't know when. When? You don't know when he's coming. When is this day of visitation? When is it going to happen? The Lord talked to the ancients about it. He talked to Abraham about it and Isaac and Jacob. He talked to Moses about it. He talked to David and he talked to the prophets. Giving them all kinds of visions and all kinds of indications about that coming day. The day of the Lord. When will it come? What will it be like? The scripture teaches that, in fact, in the fullness of time, the visitation took place. God sent his son, born of a woman, made under the law, who was here to fulfill all that the father had promised. But the time between the promise of Abraham and the coming of Christ was 2,000 years Two full millennia, 2,000 years. Can you imagine living in about 1,000 years in the middle of all of that and wondering, when is it going to happen? When is the Lord going to come? What's he going to be like? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. By the way, King David lived at about that time. Can you imagine living at the time 500 years years before? Saying, when is he coming? What's it coming going to be like? We hear about his coming. And then he came. And when he came, he began to do the work that his father had given him to do and to accomplish all of those things, all of those things that had been promised by the prophets. But here was a strange thing. When he came, it was obvious that he had come in the fullness of time, but it also come at the end of time. It's called the last days in Scripture. The Scriptures are divided between the former days, the days of prophecy, and the latter days, the days of fulfillment. And Jesus comes in the latter days. He comes in the last days. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after death, he is is given... One opportunity to believe in his lifetime is the time of faith. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of reckoning. Jesus Christ came and he began to accomplish all of those things that the Father gave him to accomplish. To do two things. To save his people and to condemn and punish and destroy the wicked. It's a pretty simple, straightforward job description. But one of the things we learned when he was here, he said, if I go, I will come again. That was a real surprise. In fact, Paul refers to it as, as one of the great mysteries that Christ came with revelation of God, manifesting himself. There is a time for his coming and yet, he leaves. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away. He says, I'm going to prepare mansions. And, but he still continues his work. And we are living now in a period of expectation again. When is he coming? What is he going to do? What will it be like? What are the indications of his coming? Well, hadn't it been long enough, it's been 2000 years same amount of time God operated with in the old covenant he's operating now with us Christ came he came as a king he came as a savior he comes as a lord he comes as the, the all the fulfillment of the expectation of Israel to be their messiah and we'll look at those as we go along through the advent season this year of, this, of the root of Jesse and all the things that pertain to Christ. But what I'm giving you now is kind of the big framework. We are now expecting another visitation, another coming, another parousia, another appearance, another presence. We're expecting him to, to come and, and we will see him. And he will operate in such a way that he'll be accomplishing the purpose that God gave him. And we are living now in what's called the inter-advental period. Did you get that? The inter-advent. In other words, advent means the coming of the Lord, the visitation. But we have his visitation to earth 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. And then there is his visitation. His coming. His coming again. His return. Which we now anticipate. We're in no different place. With respect to the expectation. Than the prophets were. The prophets heard the word of the Lord. Believed the word of God. Proclaimed the word of God. Faithful to him. Waiting, waiting, waiting. And he came. And he did what he needed to do. And he's gone. And he's going to come again. And the accomplishment of what the Messiah is going to do, spans that entire range of time. At His first coming, He did some things. He accomplished some things. At His second coming, or His second advent, He will accomplish things as well. He'll get some things done. In fact, that second advent we anticipate will be the consummation He inaugurated a kingdom. He will consummate that kingdom and bring it into an absolute eternal reality. That's what the Lord will do at his second coming. One of the things that we have difficulty with as we read our Old Testament is the Old Testament prophets didn't see that scheme working out like that. They just knew there was a day when Christ was going to come, and when he did, he was going to take care of all the business. And so when they wrote their prophecies, they mixed and mingled everything that Christ would do at his first coming, during the inter-Adventist period, and the final Advent, the second coming. Put it all in there together. This passage we just read is an example of it. Let me just, and I'll show you a couple of other examples. It says, he shall come forth to shoot from the stump of Jesse. That's his birth. Branch from his roots. Then the spirit of the Lord rests upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might. Spirit of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. This was his work. Isaiah 61 prophesied the Spirit of the Lord would be on him during his entire earthly ministry. His delight shall be the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide disputes by what his ear hears, but with righteousness he shall judge. In other words, his first coming had to do with setting forth a judgment, and he dealt with mankind's singular issue sin. That's why the New Testament says the second time he will come without regard to sin. But he will come with regard to salvation. Finishing his salvific work. Accomplishing his purposes. Crowning and wrapping up all that he does. And bringing in that eternal order that has been promised. And you see it all mixed in here together. Uh, All of a sudden in verse 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And there's this beautiful description of the animals in the days of the new heaven and the new earth. It's matched by other passages in Isaiah. And the beautiful thing is they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We see that in another passage of scripture. Just back up a few verses. A few chapters in, in Isaiah here, Isaiah chapter 2, the word of the Lord that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, he says, chapter 2, verse 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days, okay, that's in the days of fulfillment, that's in the days when Christ comes. In the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, let us come up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. And it is out of Zion shall go the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. That's what's going on right now. That's the preaching of the gospel. That's the going forth from Jerusalem, the word of the Lord, the divine logos. That's moving out of God's place in Jerusalem and God's place of ancient capital city to the entire world. Before long, you realize that the whole, every nation is included. He's the king of all the nations and he's calling the nations to himself. That was the nature of commission to go into all the world, all the ethnic groups and disciple them. And bring them in. All true worship of God goes up to Jerusalem. What is the crowning of Jerusalem? It is Christ himself. It is the work that was done inside the gates of Jerusalem. With his, with his arrest, his trial. That which was done outside the gates of Jerusalem. His crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. All of these things have taken place. He shall judge between the nations. He shall dis- dis- decide disputes for the many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This is the prince of peace, the king of all the nations who brings about this, this, this very ideal pacifist situation. Oh house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And just for the fun of it, in a few minutes that we have left, I want to just confine myself to nothing but the um, the minor prophets. Now, there's nothing minor about him. That's the last twelve uh, books of prophecy in the Old Testament, and a couple of them I won't hit on. I won't mention Obadiah or, or, or Jonah, perhaps. But but listen to just a a small reading of what. Um, Of what they uh, what they talk about in uh, in in uh, uh, Hosea. Let's just start in Hosea, Hosea chapter two, verse sixteen. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband. That's Christ and His bride. In that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain and wine. That's the communion. I will have mercy on people that I said I wouldn't have mercy on, that is the Gentiles. I will say to my people, the Gentiles, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Joel, you're familiar with the passages in Joel, Joel chapter 2, the day of the Lord is coming, it is near, it's a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness like blackness, There's spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people like there has never been before, nor will there be again through the years of all generations, fire devours before them and a flame burns. And yet it turns out that there's like a garden of Eden before them. And behind them is a desolate wilderness. That's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to turn this earth into a garden of Eden. After he has burned it and purged it with fire thoroughly. Once he purged it with water. Next time he purges it with fire. Joel chapter 3, it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who've escaped, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Pentecost accomplished as it was given. In those days and at that time, chapter 3, in the, at that day, I don't have time to go into every one of these, but they're really interesting. Here's Amos. I've got a passage out of Amos chapter uh, 9. In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen, repair its branches, and raise up its ruins, and rebuilt it as in the days of old. And all the nations who are called by my name shall possess the remnant, declares the Lord who does this. That's Acts chapter 15. That's the Jerusalem council. That's the passage that's quoted when they were trying to decide what to do with all these Gentiles that had believed into the Jesus Messiah as the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. And that's the passage that's quoted. They were enlarging the tabernacle of David. The Lord is raising up that fallen kingdom, that fallen booth, that fallen dynasty, and restoring it to its full meaning. And that's what is happening in the church. Oh my, I just see all these. I got I to mention a couple more. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. That's, that's Micah chapter 1, chapter 2, fourth. In that day, they shall take up a taunt and a song and moan says, We were utterly ruined. He changes the portion of my people and he removes it from me. To the apostate he allots our fields. This is the judgment. This kind of preaching had this kind of effect in its day. Listen to what happened in Micah chapter 2. Do not preach. One should not preach of these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob, has the Lord grown impatient in these deeds? Not my words do good by him who walk uprightly, but lately my people have risen up as an enemy. God's own people have forsaken him and are denying his word and his law. That's taking place in our denominational churches today. All these things in that day, these things, they're being fulfilled now. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather this. And he goes on about the lame. That's what happened in Acts chapter 3 when, when uh, Peter and, and John healed the lame man. All the healing of the lame was a vivid sign that the era of the fulfillment of the Messiah had come. And then the passage we just read a little while ago in in Micah 5. But to you, O Bethlehem, shall come forth one who is the ruler in Israel. Oh, I love this passage here. And the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the majesty of the name of the Lord. They shall dwell secure and shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Well, this intensifies, and you can see it really as it gets into the latter um, um, prophecies of the of the um, Old Testament. In the book of Zephaniah, over and over and over, it talks about the coming of the Lord and the judgment that will take place, as well as the salvation of Israel. In in Zechariah, you see the things that are said there. Um, Some of these passages we're going to to cover later. Listen to this. The Lord will give salvation. On that day, I will make Jerusalem. On that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and every rider with madness. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of the world. The Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah and the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not pass that of Jerusalem. On that day, the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Do you realize that Jerusalem is the church? If you don't realize it, read the book of Revelation. It is God's accomplishment. What he did in his first coming with respect to sin and salvation, what he's doing now in terms of calling the nations, and what he will do when he returns in terms of separating, judging. We're out of time, but if you'd read over in this this book again, you'd find that one of the things that... The Lord does is he brings everybody into a great valley. It's the valley of Jehoshaphat. It means the valley of judgment. Judgment awaits everyone. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. He will appear a second time without sin but unto salvation. Tommy, I'm way over. You made to be real brief with this, with this communion. Not too brief.